So today we're looking at a story in the Old Testament. It's in the second book of Kings, chapter 4. It's a story, it's one of the stories of Elisha. So this is the Old Testament and in those days, God would speak through his prophets. So he spoke to the people through Elisha. And if you read the stories of Elisha, he did amazing stuff. It was amazing miracles. But what you've got to remember, what I always try to bear in mind, is when you look at stories, they're not fairy stories. They're not made up. We're reading about people's lives. These are real people who really existed. So we're going to read uh, chapter 4. It's about the widow and the oil. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. And Elisha replied to her, How can I help? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And the lady said, your servant here has nothing there at all, except a little oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars until each one is filled. And as each one is filled, put it to one side. So she left him. And afterwards, she shut the door behind her and her sons and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her sons, Bring me another one. And he replied, There's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. So here we've got a lady who had lost her husband. Now he sounds like he was a pretty good guy, because he was in the company of the prophets. Elijah, Elisha, I'm going to make that mistake more than once today, aren't I? Elisha would have had a few guys who travelled around with him and he was training them up to be prophets. And her husband was one of them. And if you go on to internet, you'll see a few people who were making a guess at who her husband might have been. But that's irrelevant to the story, so I'm not going to bother making any guesses. He was a good guy and something bad had happened to him. He'd taken out a loan, not knowing he wasn't going to be around to repay it, and now his widow, his wife, was in trouble. You see, according to the law in those days, if you defaulted on a loan, your creditors could come. And they were coming because they were going to take his two sons to repay that debt. So they would go away and work for the creditor. And when, the debt, when they'd earned enough money and the debt was paid, then they could come back. Or, when it reached the year of Jubilee, they would be freed. <coughs> when it says, she cried out to Elisha, she moaned, she wept uncontrollably, she shrieked. That's the meaning of that word. She'd lost her husband, and now her sons were going to go. And she had nothing. She just had a broken heart. 
But what's wonderful about this lady, and we don't even know her name, is that in that situation, some of us would just go to pieces. Now, naturally, I'm not saying you can't be sad. Of course, when things happen, it has a massive impact, and God understands that. But what I mean is, sometimes people in that situation would be like, well, that is enough. I am done with church. I am done with God. Look what's happened to me. And they would walk away. But this lady walked to God, cried out. She was honest enough to say, this is how I'm feeling. This is the state I'm in. Help. Now, at some point, babies, we'll all find ourselves in that situation. And it's so important to be honest enough to say to God, I'm in a mess here and I need help. Because you'll hear a voice that says, give up. Nobody's bothered. But that's not true. Because we are bothered and God knows all about it and cares. He does care. So Elisha says, what have you got in the house? And I feel that like that is a word for us today as a church. What have you got in the house? And by your house and my house, I mean in here. So she has a little bit of oil. I might imagine that it was probably a little jar of oil like we have here that a husband probably used in his profiting times when he was praying with people to anoint them. And Elisha tells her to go out and collect jars, take them back and fill them all with oil. And she does. How obedient is that? Sometimes when God tells us to do something, we don't really understand the why or how, but we just have to do it. What would that conversation have looked like when she knocks on a neighbour's door and asks for an empty jar? E hello, pet. E it's lovely to see you. E I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to hear about your husband. E it must be awful. It must. E and your sons. I've heard about the debt. I cannot believe it. It's one bad thing after another. How on earth are you going to get by? It's just like so terrible. I wish there was something I could do to help. What? <laughs> what did you want? A jar. What, what, do you want, what do you want a jar full of? An empty jar. What, what are you going to do with an empty jar? She's lost her mind. <laughs> well, God said I've got to collect jars. Empty ones. And they're going to be filled with oil. But you've gotten out. You've got no oil. Where is it coming from? God said, I've got to collect jars and he's going to fill them. So she collects her jars and she takes them into her house. And there's a lovely verse where Elijah says, get the jars and go inside and shut the door behind you. Now, there's a reason for him saying that. Because in Deuteronomy, where all the laws are listed, there's a verse that explains that a creditor 
can't come into your house to collect what you've pledged. You have to bring it out. So by going inside with her sons and shutting the door, she was under protection. That creditor might have been just there, but he couldn't come in and take those sons. Now she had a choice because it struck me that knowing that law, she could have thought, do you know what, the creditor's coming to take my sons, so the easiest thing for me to do is just shut the door and stay in the house. But that would have meant she trapped herself because there would have been no way out. With God, there's always a way out. With God, you're not alone. She could have made that choice to cut herself off from her community, not speak to anyone, just huddle herself away, and essentially, she would have just starved. But she cried to God, and God heard. She wasn't alone. That song that we've sang, you're not alone in those situations. When life's like a raging fire around you, you're not alone. And God did exactly what he promised to do. I wonder what it was like for her. And she took that leap of faith and got her little jar of oil and started to pour it into the bigger one. Gosh, she would have been slow and careful, wouldn't she? You wouldn't have wanted to drop anything. Because oil was worth a bit of money in those days. It wasn't petrol, you know. It would have been olive oil. She'll have poured it carefully and just in that moment of anguish and in a horrible situation, she's looking at that oil flowing and she's looking into that jar and thinking, wow, I've got more than I started with here. And this little jar in my hand ain't running out. So she gets some, come on, son, get another jar. And off she would go. It must have took a while. In the pouring of that oil, wouldn't her heart have just started to melt? Because she knew what that oil was worth. And as she filled up the first few jars, she's probably thinking, I've got enough here. This, I can sell this. God's rescued me. I am not going to lose my sons because I can sell this oil and pay off my debt. Thank you, God, that you've come through again. You know, it says in the Bible that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And when she got to that point, the jars kept coming and she kept filling them up with oil. She had enough for her debt at this point, I'm sure. But the oil kept filling up those jars. God's grace was overflowing into her life. She must have thought, lads, we've got more than enough here now. We're going to eat tonight. I could sell this. And then the next jar, wow, that, I could buy tools and seeds with this. And maybe the next jar, I could get some sheep. But it went on and on till all the jars were filled. And I've heard some people talk about this story in a negative manner to say, when there wasn't a jar left, the oil stopped flowing. 
But you know what I read into that? God met every single need. Every single need was met. She wasn't alone. You know, sometimes we have no clue about what God's going to do. He just wants faith like a mustard seed, a tiny, tiny bit. And he works with that. When we think there's nothing left, God has more. When we think we've got enough, God has more. In Lamentations it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. A small act of obedience, not knowing how God was going to do it. Just God moved in such an amazing way. And you know, in the New Testament, one of Jesus' first recorded miracles was when he was at a wedding, isn't it? And they run out of wine. They've essentially got nothing to drink. And Mary's mum asks them for help. And what does she say to the servants? Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Honest, guys, it should be simple, shouldn't it? It should be simple, but we overthink all the time. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And there, they have got five big stone jars that would normally have water in for ceremonial events, religious events where they had to clean themselves. But they're empty. And they fill them with water. Gallons and gallons and gallons of water. And then they start to pour it out. Jesus tells them to pour it out. And it's the most wonderful wine. And in John 2... At the end of that event, it says in John 2.11, this was the first of Jesus' miraculous signs he performed in Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. Wow. When we step out for God, if that lady hadn't knocked on those neighbours' jars, imagine what the conversation would have been afterwards to those neighbours. See, look what God's done. What a tremendous testimony and witness she would have had. But it's all about what have you got in the house? She had what she needed, but she didn't realise it. That's the same for us. You have got what you need inside of your house. Now, I've looked for a a similar miracle. I I looked for maybe maybe there was a miracle that Jesus did where someone came to him who had debt and he, he somehow found a way of repaying that debt and I couldn't find one. Apart from the coin for the taxes, I couldn't find one. And then I thought, hang on, Sheila. You couldn't find a miracle that Jesus did to repay a great debt. <laughs> Haven't we all got a great debt? Haven't we all got a debt that we on our own will never be able to pay? But didn't Jesus go to the cross to repay the debt for our sin? 
our debt is clear. And you know, the, God, the Apostle Paul speaks about that debt, about the glory of God, about having Jesus clear that debt and having the presence of Jesus within us. He says, it's like a treasure. <clears throat> I'll read the verse. It's in Second Corinthians. It says, God made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not us. It's not about us. It's all about God. We might be feeble. We might be breakable. There's times when you just feel like, oh. but it's all about him. It's not all about us. And you know, we have promised that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. He promised that the Holy Spirit would live in us. That's what we've got inside us. That's what we've got in our house. That's what you've got, whether you feel like it or not. And Corinthians says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong he can do more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us what are you asking for I wonder if sometimes we'll limit God because we don't expect or we don't ask or we think it's got to be someone else but if we want him to move, if we want him to change lives, we've got to start thinking about that treasure that's within us. The Holy Spirit that God wants to use to minister, not just to us, but people in the communities. What have you got in your house? There were some other verses I was looking for and I couldn't find them. I couldn't find that one that says, <clears throat> we should give up when things get tough. I couldn't find the one that says we should be miserable because of our situation. I couldn't say, find the one that said, look, if you've prayed for years and nothing's happened, just, just give up. Nor could I find the one that says we should live in fear. But I could find the one. I couldn't find them because they ain't there. Jesus said, yes, you'll have trouble in this world, but take heart. I've overcome the world. No matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. That's what you've got in the house. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The incomparably great power for us who believe is like the working of God's mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's what you've got in the house. We can know that power, but you know, sometimes it's like a jar of oil stuck on a shelf that was just gathering dust. It's still there. The Holy Spirit doesn't age. He's not on holiday. He's not too tired. He's not used up all of his energy over there and he's got none left for you. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit afresh and afresh 
and afresh. And a couple of weeks ago, Martin talked about that and asked people to come out for prayer if they wanted that freshness of the Holy Spirit. And I know that there's one or two people who should have come out who didn't. So I'm going to give you an opportunity today. Or if you did then and you want to do it again, that's fine. Because God's mercies are new every day. There is always more. And sometimes, just to... I've more or less finished the word now. But just as a little word of explanation before we invite people to come out for prayer. Don't be afraid. Because God and the Holy Spirit is very gentle. Sometimes when people come out and they're prayed for, you might see somebody fall over. Now, they haven't fainted. They're not unconscious. They can hear everything that's going on around them. But occasionally, they are so overwhelmed by the presence of the Spirit that the knees go a bit wobbly and down they go. Or they sit on a chair. And that's fine. We'll just leave them because sometimes God's ministering to them or they're just enjoying the presence of God. And that's wonderful. When other people come out and they feel the presence of God and we pray for them and they don't fall down. And that is equally all right. It's not a measure of how much God is working in someone as to if they wobble about or if they don't. We are open to what God does. And that's fine. So if you come out and that's worrying you, then don't, don't be worried about that. Because God is gentle and gracious and can use what you have in your house for his glory. So we're going to get the band up. Martin, I'd like you to pray with us today for people who come out. <clears throat> and if there's a need, we've already got a prayer team on hand. But don't be shy. God has used, God has been speaking very much over the last few weeks about the need for us to have the freshness of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. There's plenty to go around. You haven't had your fill. There is always more to experience with the Lord.